Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher, and this is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 96, Type 2 Error, or what if you're right when you thought you were wrong? Or what if you're wrong when you were, thought you were right? <laughs> okay, bear with me. This is something, this is an artifact left over from my scientist days. And uh, when you set up a scientific experiment, you, you cast a hypothesis, right? You have a theory, you have an idea, you have a question, right? You're like, hmm, I wonder how this works. I wonder if this is the way this is. And, and it's usually more than just, I wonder what color that is, or I wonder how this works. It's you set it up to have testable hypotheses. And their hypotheses are always in sets of two. Sometimes there's more, but at least two. And one is what's called the null hypothesis. And this is sort of saying, okay, whatever I'm interested in, whatever I'm thinking about, whatever question I have, whatever topic I have of interest, what if there's no effect? What if there's nothing to see here, right? That's the null hypothesis. And that's not what you think. What you think is that something is going to happen. And usually a hypothesis follows a if-then-because statement. So it's sort of like, you know, if I feed people Snickers bars, then they will not get cancer because Snickers bars have a anti-cancer effect or medicine or whatever it is, right? That's how it's kind of set up. And the alternate hypothesis, of which there can be an infinite number, but there can only be one null, is what effect do you think is real? You know, like my dissertation was, I think um, land use determines uh, uh, or, or sort of uh, causes a distinct shift in a negative direction in biological immunities and st- in, in stream and stream function. So when you build a whole bunch of houses next to a river, it changes what that river does for the worse. When you at, put, grow a bunch of crops, anything but sort of what the natural condition was, whether it's a forest or uh, whatever, vegetated area around that stream, it, it alters the function of that system for the worse. The null hypothesis was land use around a stream has no effect on the way that stream works. Hopefully that makes sense. Or, you know, this pill causes, uh, cures cancer is your hypothesis. The null hypothesis would be that pill has no effect on whether or not you get cancer. And so what you're looking for is measurements that change or don't change under different conditions, experimental conditions, right? So in my, my stream example, I'd study streams in the forest uh, of the way that they had been for thousands of years. I'd study streams in urban areas. I'd study streams in agricultural areas. I'd study streams in, in, in a park that was made by man, humans, or whatever. Uh, and in the medicine one, you'd give people a placebo so that you're there, at least they're doing the same thing as the next person. They're taking a pill every day. And they're swallowing it, and they don't really know whether or not they're getting medicine or not, or whether they have cancer or not. And then people who are receiving the treatment. And that's sort of your experimental groups. And I don't want to go into science any more than that, but that's generally how the scientific method in experimental works. And it comes back to the hypotheses. Now, I say this all the time, and people don't believe me. When you do science, you follow the scientific method and do an experiment like this. When you do a research paper and learn something and write it, it isn't science. (laughs) When you read about what somebody else did and think about it and and come up with your own opinion, it's not science. When you read a biological textbook and you understand how the body works, it's not science. (laughs) You understand science and now you can share your interpretation of what the science did, but you didn't do anything. You're not a scientist because you read about it or even understand it. You're a scientist because you do it. 
um, you know, like a plumber that understands plumbing in massive detail, but never actually does anything, doesn't have a job because he doesn't get paid. It's not a vocation. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's so science is, 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 is this experimental thing. Uh, now, there's elements of scientific investigation that are non-experimental, but that's another thing. We generally don't even talk about that. Um, so at the end of this process that we call science, well, not the end, what we do basically then is we ask these hypotheses. We can't know everything. So I can't study every person on Earth that has cancer, doesn't have cancer, give them a drug and not give them a drug. You can't do this. You can't apply treatments to everything. So we have statistics, which means we do a, take a sample of everything, some smaller version of that, and it has to be big enough, but not too big. Uh, because either if it's, if it's too big, then we don't have the money to do it. And if it's big enough, it's going to have what we call statistical power, which will give the results more meaning. Uh, huge. God, this is, science is ridiculous. And then after we, then we go out and we collect numbers. We, we, we do things in the world. We collect samples. And that sample might be something like um, whether or not somebody has cancer or how much um, body fat a bear has for the winter. And we take all those things that have meaning when we do them because they're a real thing. And then we boil it all down to a number, just a number. So 6.7 could mean um, the number of cancer cells on the liver of a pigeon. It could mean the length of a third toe on a, a, you know, a pterodactyl. It could mean lots of different things. But for the sake of all science, it turns into 6.7. And people miss out on this, that we dumb the amazing complexity of the world down to numbers in science. And that's how we make our conclusions. And then we pass those numbers through a mathematic set of mathematical equations called statistics that will tell us whether or not to support our null hypothesis or support our alternate hypothesis. More specifically, you only have two choices reject your null and say, this does not appear to be true based on the sampled evidence that you collected. It doesn't say your alternate hypothesis is true or proven. It just says the null isn't supported by your data. And perhaps your alternate hypothesis that you have proposed makes sense. It doesn't do anything to really investigate the specifics of your alternate hypothesis. It just says not this. Alternatively, you can uh, support your hypothesis, meaning the data actually suggests that your uh, null hypothesis is, is correct and there isn't an effect. We don't see anything going on. So it's kind of like there's nothing to see here, sorry, or something might be going on here. Uh, you need to do further investigation. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't have, I don't have anything for you. I can't believe it's been uh, 95, six episodes, and I'm really just getting to that. I've mentioned it several times, but that is the mind-blowing simplicity of all that science really does. And so type 2 error and type 1 error are basically saying the way that your experiment is set up and that statistical power I was talking about uh, that usually correlates to the number of people or sample si- your sample size is... Uh, the power of your statistics, there's a chance that you made a mistake and it's built in. And so it'll say, well, we fail um, 
to reject the uh, hypothesis. And so we support our hypothesis. And I'm not, did I say that right? So you can either reject or fail to reject your null hypothesis. That's pretty much your only choices. So if you fail to reject your null, which suggests that your, your explanation, what you thought going into this, might actually have some weight and you might investigate that further, you might be wrong. You might be wrong in rejecting your null and that the null was actually correct. You may have screwed up. Equivalently, you might have failed to reject, not come up with enough evidence that there's no, no effect. There does look like there's an effect going on, which pushes you toward your alternate hypothesis and thinking that you're hot shit because you might be right and you might be onto something. You could also be wrong about that. In every scientific experiment, there is uncertainty and error. It varies in size based on, uh, believe it or not, your field, it can vary, or and the experimental design and statistical power and your capacity to really capture a sample that represents your population. There's a lot of chances to be wrong. And so the fact that we say science proves stuff is equivalently mind-blowing to me. Now that I'm on the inside, now that I've been behind the curtain, and seeing what science really does, I'm like, why do we... Ki- what? <laughs> what? But, you know, it works, and it does help us move through, through our, uh, our lives. And, and, and we create drugs uh, and vaccines that kill polio, that cure polio and cure the measles and, and, and made HIV, you know, minimized. We do stuff as a result of science. But, you know, we underestimate the degree to which it's a crapshoot. <laughs> and this idea of proof perpetuates that idea. Because thus, proof means 100%, 100% of the time, every time. Every time. But what I'm telling you is there's what's called a p-value, a probability of being wrong, built into all science. And in my field, my former field, ecology, the p-value is 0.055. What that means is one time in 20, you can be wrong. One time, and that's 5%. 5% of the time, you could be wrong. If you told me that Diet Coke kills people 5% of the time, I'm not going to drink it anymore. Granted, 5% isn't that big. Maybe I'm at a party one day, and I'm feeling particularly lucky. I'm going to have a Diet Coke. Because, you know, I got 1 in 20 chance, okay? In the medical field, the p-value is generally much lower. 0.1, 0.01. Because we're not messing around with human life. In order to say something like um, this surgical approach or this drug does this or whatever, we want to be pretty damn sure. In ecological research, you know, fish need water temperature of 80 degrees to spawn. Who gives a shit? You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm 80, 95% right. That's good enough. But if it's, will this pill kill me? You better be like 99.9% accurate. Which sort of means... The probability of a type 1 or type 2 error is whatever small. You know, 1 in 20 chance, 1 in 100 chance, whatever, 5, 5%, 1%, 0.1%. 0.1%. And <laughs> I think about this a lot when, the you know, my friend Paul Godola's question of or, or idea that everybody thinks they're right. We go through life thinking we're right about stuff, and we forget that we really don't have any idea. And even no matter how sure we are that we're right, there's always some sneaky probability that we're not. It's like I was explaining to him, in every mathematical formula you ever see, 2 plus 2 equals 4 even, bad example, but, you know, like uh, 
x squared plus y squared equals z squared, or whatever that formula is, the Pythagorean theorem. What you don't see in any... K plus E is W. Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. What you don't see in that equation is, is like the implied you in a subject when somebody says, go get me that. What they mean is you go get me that, right? That you is implied. Well, in mathematical formulae and statistics and everything else, there's always an implication of an error term. But we assume... In order to do science, you open the door, hey, we're going to do science today. You go, okay, hold up. we got to make some assumptions. Let's just get this out. And one of the things that we do, which we never talk about, is we assume that there's error involved in what we do, but that it's really small and we can ignore it. That may or may not be true, right? <laughs> that a thermometer actu- accurately measures the amount of heat in something in a meaningful way, and that the estimation of that heat as a number is meaningful. There's an error in that. That's a that's faith. And that's what I talk about. There's such a massive, massive amount of faith in science that we just ignore and pretend. And that's why when I hear creationists and scientists argue, I'm just like, you're the same people. You're doing exactly the same thing in a different flavor. You know, who's to say chocolate is better than cherry? I don't know. It's, they're both cool. Anyway, so there's two, two choices, right? Basically, one is thinking that you're right, but you're wrong. Ugh, that's rough. Or thinking that you're wrong, but you're right. And, and, and sort of, do people have natural propensities toward one or either of those? Because I sure as hell know some arrogant maybe even narcissistic and selfish people who go through life thinking they're right about everything and, and very rarely ever opening up to the possibility that they might be wrong or just feeling so entitled to their rightness that it blows me away to the point where I'm like, shit, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, all right, I, I, I guess Hillary did kill all those people in Benghazi. I don't know. Uh, maybe when kids read about uh, sex in a book, they want to go have sex. I, I, I thought it was not like that, but if you're... So, you know, part of it is like confidence. And that's another element of statistics, right? Confidence intervals sort of tell us... They can give us a measure of how wrong we think we might be in addition to probability. Uh, but but it's weird how we express this um, rightness is is related to social interactions and has nothing to do with science. And so there are people who think they're right uh, and forget that they could be wrong to to the point of forgetting that being wrong is a thing. And I don't think that is good. I do not. I will go out on a limb and just say, just like there's a hidden error term in every equation and every model has the probability of being wrong, we all do too. And that's okay. And I think that's part of it. There's shame and embarrassment and fear all wrapped up in that, which makes us fight even more strongly and arrogantly and often narcissistically and ignorantly for our rightness when we don't realize that it's okay to be wrong. And actually admitting you're going to be wrong is going to solve whatever problem you have. (laughs) That's what gets me. When we're fighting about things that need to change and problems that need to happen through things like, oh, I don't know, elections. But instead what we do is we want to win, which again, last episode, the one 
some months before that about competition, you know, winning is, is a terrible goal, uh, when it comes to social elements, um, mutual benefit is a, is a better goal. And I, and I'm going to, I will compete and fight with you about that one. Um, sometimes both are good more often than not. Um, mutualistic cooperation is going to produce a better long lasting more meaningful result. And so where I've stand and I'm not saying I mean obviously I think I'm right about a lot of things. But I am very open and aware of the error term. And I might not like it and I might cry or yell or scream or pout when somebody challenges me, but I'm going to be okay. And if it's new information, if this new information is better, and changes my mind after I've run it through all of my filters, all of the filters you can run them through, I am willing to admit defeat and say that I was wrong. So just like winning and losing are the same thing to me, being right and being wrong are the same thing to me. I may feel very emotionally adamant about my belief in a certain thing, but I have, I like to think, and it's hard and I'm not perfect I like to think I am equally as excited about you changing my mind about that thing. Because at the end of the day, I just want to make more sense out of the world. And new information is way more exciting than old information, even if it challenges my belief system. And so I tend to, and I think many of us, and probably many of us watching this show, tend to think I'm wrong when I'm actually right. And that would be the type 2 error where you fail to reject your null. When actually, I've come up with a pretty good idea. I've come up with a pretty good explanation about how evolution was working 100,000 years ago, and that was toward more cooperative interactions, a more peaceful and calm existence, less war, less fighting, and less arrogance, and less inequality. And I just couldn't find enough evidence. And so I've, I, I, I failed to reject my null hypothesis, but I was wrong about that. Or... Um, you know, I say, uh, you know, I think the I think the way to uh, have a more successful relationship is to be nicer to um, potential mates. And then somebody comes in and goes, No, 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 no. What you want to do is you got to be tough, and you got to manipulate them, and you got to trick them, and you got to say you really want this, and you might not want this. Um, and then you stand back and watch those two strategies go to work in the real world. And this guy's taking home a lot more girls than this guy is. And that's a terrible example. I'm not trying to be sexist. It's just what came came up, right? Or getting more dates. Now, maybe over a 20-year period, what we see is this guy has been, um, you know, has a restraining order, has been divorced three times, and has been in jail for the way that he treats the opposite, or she, they treat, whatever. And this other person has been married for 20 years. You know, I don't, I don't know, but um, there are, it's sort of at the high end of the bifurcation of sort of defining the differences or similarities, depending on if you're a lumper or a splitter, among people and strategies of navigating through life. All of this to say, (laughs) I think it's... How do I say this? The, The macho, arrogant, selfish... Fear of looking bad, the need to put on a warrior-like front, 
is a more effective way of perpetuating your strategy through time. Being cooperative, uh, maybe even a little wishy-washy or people-pleasing or just sort of like uh, conflict avoidant is not a good way of being heard. And the person that is heard and the person that is forceful and the person that is charismatic or the movement or the position or the philosophical tenet or the religion that has more of these qualities is going to move forward in people's awareness through time. The other representatives are more quiet. They're more contemplative. A lot of more living in the internal world. Maybe some of those ideas never even see the light of day but they still exist because they're selected for, right? And so this differential that's a completely social thing uh, and probably rooted in fear of speaking up, being heard, making your peace, um, fear of getting beat up, fear of getting ridiculed, whatever, those traits are kind of below the surface. Maybe they're just as or more important. And so there's a differential between actual natural selection of psychological tenets and social constructs that's happening that we don't see or talk about that might actually better reflect the success of the human species over the last you know, 99.99% of our time on Earth versus this rarer but more common and seen and aware, dominant, present element. Those things are different, right? The power might not be what you see. What you see might not actually reflect the probability or the propensity of that. That's the error part of the scientific experiment. That's the error part of what you see on TV or what you see on social media or what you read in the news or what you think is going on in the Ukraine. It's a version, it's a model of reality that has been manipulated one to many multiple ways. <clears throat> and the whole idea of critical thinking is to remember that. Remember, there's error terms. Remember, there's variability. There's confidence. And your job is to try and understand what that mess is and decide whether or not a type 2 or type 1 error essentially has occurred. Are you wrong when you think you're right, or are you right when you think you're wrong? And, and, and are those other people and what you're listening to? Should I really invest all my money in this 401k that my worker says is really good, which is really just a sad excuse for a pension that they didn't want to do anymore, so they came up with an inferior product and they're shoving it down my throat because they actually benefit if you invest in it? Or should I go out on my own and uh, try my hand at you know day trading? You know, I, I don't know, but there's a lot more going on in that than meets the eye. And I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist or to uh, encourage people to be suspicious, but I think you do have to kind of be like that. But instead of being suspicious and looking for problems, I'm just asking people to remember that there's, there's more going on than is obvious. And what is obvious might only reflect the most dominant uh, phenotype expressing itself. And there might be many other things. And for a meaningful take-home message that may be relevant to you, the most common complaint or um, 
uh, object of dissatisfaction for people seeking therapy in the United States. I'm not sure about the world, but I would guess it's probably universal. Is feeling other than or different or out of place. And I think it's because of this. You know, we think there's error going on. What we see in the world is not an accurate depiction of reality. Not everybody wants to be with a bully. Not everyone wants to be rich. Not everyone wants to work 80 hours a week. Whatever it is, you don't know the truth. But you can get to it. And part of doing that is opening your mind to the, the things that are going on under the surface. And, 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 I th- and I'm trying to be encouraging because, <clears throat> because if all of us are different, then we all have something in common. <laughs> that should, instead of separate us or split us, it should bring us together or lump us. I'm Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This has been Episode 96, Type 2 Error. What if you're right when you think you're wrong? What if you're wrong if you think you're right? Take it easy.